By this week, you're probably now into the routine of Psalm 119 with us, and you are noting repetitions of words, phrases, themes, and, you know, while you're listening, you may be tempted to tune out, but this morning, I'm challenging you to press in because I really believe God wants to speak to you today. I believe that every time we open the word of God, there's something meaningful and relevant for us and that God has something specific to say to us in our journey through Psalm 119. Our scripture comes from Psalm 119, verses 49 to 64. I'm gonna invite you to stand in honor of the reading of God's word. As you know, if you've been with us, but if you're new, we've been also going through the Hebrew alphabet, which is in Psalm 119 as section headers. And we've gone through Aleph and Bet and Gimel and Dalet and He and Wav. And now here we are in Zion. Can you say Zion with me? Zion. Wonderful. Oh, wow, that's very strong. And, you know, here's the next one. This needs a little bit guttural voice, okay? It's Chet. Chet. That's it. And that's the, the two uh, letters, the Hebrew letters that we'll work on today. Uh, I'm going to invite you to read with me from 49 all the way down to 64. Remember your word to your servant, for you have given me hope. My comfort in my suffering is this. Your promise preserves my life. The arrogant mock me unmercifully, but I do not turn from your law. I remember, Lord, your ancient laws, and I find comfort in them. Indignation grips me because of the wicked who have forsaken your law. Your decrees are the theme of my song wherever I lodge. In the night, Lord, I remember your name, that I may keep your law. This has been my practice. I obey your precepts. You are my portion, Lord. I have promised to obey your words. I have sought your face with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. I have considered my ways and have turned my steps to your statutes. I will hasten and not delay to obey your commands. Though the wicked bind me with ropes, I will not forget your law. At midnight, I rise to give you thanks for your righteous laws. I am a friend to all who fear you, to all who follow your precepts. The earth is filled with your love, Lord. Teach me your decrees. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, for Psalm 119. You continue to speak to our hearts. Lord, I'm praying for us to understand what it means to go through the dark hour of the soul, to go through the darkest times of our lives in the night, the things we worry about, the things we stress about. And I pray, Lord, that you'd minister to us. Some of us are even right now in a dark place. I pray that you'd administer your marvelous light into that situation. God, we need you. We declare our need for you, that we cannot live without you, that this world, Lord, is difficult. There's challenges along the way, but if we cling to you, Lord, you will hold us fast. And so, Jesus, I pray your blessing upon the preaching of the word. I humble myself before you, recognizing that I cannot do this in my own physical strength, Lord. It will amount to nothing. But if your spiritual strength, if the supernatural power of God would come upon me, then I could preach your word with boldness. And your people will hear and obey and apply it to their lives. 
So enable me for the task, Lord. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated here and at home. It's late, and you're twisting and turning in bed. Your mind is racing a million miles a minute, and you're bombarded with questions. Why did she say that? Why did he do that? What did I do to deserve this? Maybe you can attest to this experience. Maybe you can say, Pastor, I've been there. I've done that. I felt that way. The psalmist is here, and he described the acts of those who afflicted him. According to verse 50, he was suffering. According to verse 51, he was being arrogantly mocked. And according to verse 60, he was bound with ropes. We're not sure whether that's literal or figurative, but that's how he feels. According to verse 53 and verse 60, they are, the people who do this to him, are the wicked. It is the thought of wicked people that keeps us up at night. And Satan uses them to steal our sleep from us. But may I suggest today that when the wicked sleep, that is the time when we ought to be awake. When they are unable to attack us, we must be able to draw hope and receive comfort from God's word. In verse 55, we read, in the night... I want you to catch that today. In the night, Lord, I remember your name that I may keep your law. You all know that the night is the time period between sunset and sunrise, between dusk and dawn. And the body not only rests during that time, but God, he restores our soul during that time. He supplies us with what we are lacking. In verse 56, the psalmist adds, this has been my practice. I obey your precepts. This is not just a one-time thing, but a regular occurrence in his life. This is almost like a spiritual discipline. He wakes up in the middle of the night and he turns to the Lord. In verse 62, we read, at midnight. At midnight, I rise to give you thanks for your righteous laws. And you know very well that midnight also signals the end of a day and the beginning of a new day. The 24-hour cycle of a day restarts as we know it. It was Jeremiah who turned from lament to hope in Lamentations 3, 22 to 23, when he said of the Lord, his compassions, they never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. It was David who also said in Psalm 30, verse 5, that weeping may stay for the night, but friends, rejoicing comes in the morning. Therefore, midnight stirs our hope that tomorrow can be a better day. And so this morning, I want to share about the role God's word plays in consoling us during the deep night of the soul by giving us the song of the Lord, by giving us the name of the Lord, and giving us reasons to give thanks to the Lord. First point this morning is the song of the Lord. In verse 54, we read, your decrees are the theme of my song wherever I lodge. It's important for every believer to sing. I really believe that. Every believer should sing. Singing to the Lord is not conditional on the quality of your voice. Even if you croak, it's pleasing to the Lord. 
because he knows what he put inside of you and all he expects is for you to return what you've been given. The psalmist had no time to sing during the day because he was constantly under attack from the wicked. And despite all this discouragement in his life, the psalmist would sing to the Lord in the middle of the night. Now, we all expect to hear the psalmist lament in this song, in Psalm 119. For there is a collection of scriptures. We find individual laments in Psalm 3 and 6 and 13 and 22 and 25 and 28 and 31 and 44 and 56 and 57 and 71 and 77 and 86 and 142. That's a lot of sad psalms. But there's a psalm for every season of our life find it interesting that lament is actually not the theme of the psalmist's song. He does have feelings and he's going through something and experiencing it, but he doesn't lament to the Lord. In, in fact, we need a different kind of song that is not based on our circumstance, but inspired by the greatness of our God. The lyrical content of these songs are the decrees of the Lord. And this is why we must sing songs that are scriptural in content. This is why we must guard what we sing from a pulpit, what we sing in our lives and what we listen to because we want to sing the scripture. We don't want to sing other things, how I feel about me, myself, and I. We want to sing about how great our God is and how, how we should glorify him through our songs. I want you to recall what happened to the Apostle Paul and Silas in Acts 16, 25 to 26. Verse 25 begins about midnight. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them and suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. When did all of this take place? At midnight. In the midnight hour. These jailbirds didn't sing the blues. These Christians sang hymns to God. They didn't sing quietly. They sang loudly and unashamedly so that the other prisoners could hear them and listen to them. That their faith was in Jesus. Friends, it is late in the midnight hour that God does some of his greatest work. Let me say that again. For some of you who are walking through that midnight hour in your life, it is in the midnight hour that God does some of his finest work. The prison was shaken. The doors flew open. The chains came loose. The impossible became possible. So when you don't know what to do, here's what you do. You sing to the Lord. You open your mouth and you sing praise to him. Find two more examples of singing songs to the Lord in the night. It's the sons of Korah who wrote Psalm 42, verse 8. They wrote, by day the Lord directs his love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. What I find interesting about this, it's not our song, but it's God's song. It's his song. The song is not just to be read, it's a song to be sung as a prayer. Then there's Elihu, both a friend and also a critic of the man named Job. 
rightly described God in Job 35 verse 10 as the one who gives songs in the night. I believe our God is a God who can give you songs in the night. Songs when you're going through difficulties, when you're twisting and turning in bed, the Lord will give you a song in the middle of the night that will help you focus back your attention on him. Those who genuinely seek God instead of questioning God are given songs from the Lord that can be sung right back to the Lord. Friends, what do you do when you cannot sleep? You sing to the Lord. Secondly, today, the name of the Lord, and we find this in verse 55. The psalmist writes, I remember your name that I may keep your law. Now, the Bible is full with many names of God. Instead of listing them all for you, I want you to remember two of the key ways that God self-disclosed himself to his people in Scripture. And the first is found in Exodus chapter 3, verse 13 to 14. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. The second is found in Isaiah 42, verse 8, when the Lord said of himself, I am the Lord, that is my name. This is also affirmed in Jeremiah 16, 21, when the Lord said of himself, then they will know that my name is the Lord. So the name of the Lord, the two key ones are I am and the Lord. I am tells us that he is self-existent. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. He is all-present. It's almost as if words are not enough to describe who he really is. The Lord, it carries the weight of final authority that the Lord creates and sustains. The Lord gives and he takes away. That the Lord is close to us, yet he's far from us. That the Lord is distinct from us. And these names are simple, but yet profound. So when you remember the name of God, remember that he has preferred that you would see him this way, as the I am and the Lord. Put it together, I am the Lord. That is your God. I believe these two names were the names that the psalmist remembered during that dark night of his soul. And to quote Charles Spurgeon from his book, The Golden Alphabet, an exposition of Psalm 119, he says this, if we don't keep the name of God in our memory, we won't keep the law of God in our conduct. Forgetfulness in mind leads to forgetfulness in life. As we look at the scriptures in this particular portion, we see a negative example in verse 53, and then we see a positive example in verse 61. First, we look at, they have forsaken your law. In verse 53, the psalmist wrote, indignation grips me because of the wicked who have forsaken your law. Those who have forsaken God's law, they show that they have also forsaken his name. That the only time God's word comes into their mouth is when they're taking the Lord's name in vain when it is profanity upon their lips. 
You know, laws are upheld when a lawgiver is respected. And as believers, we too, we must be gripped with indignation, with a holy anger that comes from God when God's name is not reverenced and when his law is forsaken. It must bother us. But then secondly, I will not forget your law. In verse 61, the psalmist contrasted himself with these wicked people who had forsaken the law when he says this, though the wicked bind me with ropes, I will not forget your law. Those who do not forget God's law, they show that they have remembered his name. And this says much about the psalmist and his commitment to the Lord his God, that even in the midst of adversity, he remains faithful to the law and faithful to the name of the Lord. Even though life is difficult, even though there's challenges all around him, he's still willing to call on the name of the Lord. In fact, he previously made an affirmation in verse 52. He said, I remember, Lord, your ancient laws, and I find comfort in them. I know that the word of God might seem old. It might seem irrelevant, but I'm here today to tell you that the word of God is still effective in ministering to human hearts. That the very memory of his law brings comfort to the human soul. So may the name of the Lord and the law of the Lord be unforgettable to us. May we never forsake it. May we never forget it. And then thirdly today, thanks to the Lord. We find this in verse 62. Psalmist says, I rise to give you thanks for your righteous laws. At this point, you're probably thinking to yourself, uh, this psalmist, he never sleeps. All he does is pray, 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 sing, 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 call, call, call on the name of the Lord. And his methods, they might not appeal to you because you really need your sleep. Some of you, eight hours is still not sufficient. You need 10, you need 12. And then on top of that, if you don't have your coffee, you turn into a different person. Well, it's not like the psalmist is just drinking coffee all night. He is relying on the Lord for strength. Why must the psalmist rise in order to give thanks? You know, why not just be tempted to stay in bed and enjoy the warmth of the comforters and the plush of the pillow? Give thanks well enough while lying down. Why not? Because there's something profound about human posture before the Lord our God. It was a challenge to his comfort. And it addressed the propensity for all of us to be spiritually lazy before God. I love what David said in 2 Samuel 24, 24. When he bought the threshing floor of Aruna. And he said, I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me. Nothing. You know, in that scenario, it cost David a whole lot, a whole lot of money. But in this scenario, it cost the psalmist his precious sleep. And I understand that sleep is valuable. It's important for our human body. But to remain in his bed would have been a temptation to fall asleep again. 
You know, as Jesus later said, it was recorded in Matthew 26, 41, and then Mark 14, 38, the very same words. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Boy, when the alarm goes off, sometimes we don't want to wake up. Now, the decision to rise up out of bed is a statement of intent. That the psalmist had good reason to rise up and to give thanks to God for his laws. You know, one of the things I find really amazing about God, it's found in Psalm 121 verses 3 to 4, is that God is the one who watches over you and will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Isn't that wild? We were talking, I was talking with somebody in the foyer today. So they said, Pastor, are you saying that God never sleeps? Like ever? And I said, well, you know, that's complicated. That's what pastors say when they don't know what to say. <laughs> it's a complicated thing, you know. Jesus, surely when he was human on earth, he's still God, but he slept like us. If we're anything like God, then maybe there's some similarities there. But it says here in Psalm 121, he never sleeps. You know, it's not that he is constantly in need of thanksgiving for as one part of the world is awake, another part of the world is asleep. So he just, you know, keeps on going to a different group of people while they're sleeping, you know. Okay, North America now, you know, Western Hemisphere, not Eastern Hemisphere, and Northern and Southern. It's, it's not like that. You know, the idea is that God gives us plenty of good reason to give him thanks because he always watches over us whether we are awake or whether we're asleep. Now think about that for a second. Do you know that you matter to God so much? Like so much? That his eyes are upon you as an individual? Now sometimes it's easy to think, okay, God's eyes are upon his people, collective. Like really cool, I get that, makes sense to me. No, no, no. God's eyes are upon you. I think that takes it to a whole nother level of personal care and interest in your life, that God sees you as valuable, that God is interested in your life. He sees your potential. He sees your value, and you are special to him. And he never sleeps, and he never slumbers in regards to anything in your life. Wow, what a great God. As it says in Psalm 92, verse 1 to 2, reading from the New King James Version, it is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. We should give thanks in the morning and we should give thanks in the night. We should give thanks for his loving kindness and we should give thanks for his faithfulness. When? Not just once in a while, every single day of our lives. As the worship team returns to the stage, Prepare to conclude the service. Jill Caterini, in her article, Random Hallelujahs, she wrote, Christians have joyful, stirring songs that celebrate the wonder of our relationship with God. In contrast to this, comedian Steve Martin, you know it's gonna be a good sermon if Steve Martin is mentioned, 
Now, some of our young kids are like, you know, who's Steve Martin? Who's this old guy? Well, I'll tell you. He performed, he performed a song with Steve Canyon Ranger, and he called on the entire atheist hymnal, which was scripted together on one single page of paper. And he called the song, Atheists Don't Have No Songs. Okay, you ready for this? Christians have their hymns and pages. Hava Nagila for the Jews. Baptists have Rock of Ages. Atheists just sing the blues. Romantics play Claire de Lune. Born again sing He is Risen. But no one ever wrote a tune for godless existentialism. For atheists, there's no good news. They'll never sing a song of faith. In their songs, they have one rule. The he is always lowercase. He goes on and on. You can watch it on YouTube. This humor is meant to entertain us. A song about not having a song. (laughs) I just find that funny. But his humor also subtly exposed the hopelessness in the heart of the atheist. The atheist has no songs. Woe to those who have no song to sing. Woe to those who have no name to call. Woe to those who have no one to thank during the dark night of the soul. It must be so lonely in that place. But even in the midst of our suffering, Psalm 119.49 tells us that the word of God gives us hope. Psalm 119 verse 50 and 52 tell us that the word of God gives us comfort. So Christians in this place, Christians online, sing to the Lord and call on the name of the Lord and give thanks to the name of the Lord for he is not sleeping on you. And he has not forgotten you. In fact, he's very concerned about you. And it's in the midnight hour that when you call his name and when you sing your songs to him and when you thank him for what he's about to do, that is when he shows up in great power and strength and the prison doors are open and the chains fall off and freedom is realized. This is the God we serve. This God is the I am the Lord. And we declare in this place that we worship him alone. I am the Lord your God. We worship him alone.